0: four hours of interviews with Vladimir Putin. I watch them mostly because he's incredibly well-spoken. Then
1: Is he topless in the interviews?
0: He is not.
1: Like riding a horse. That's That's my image of Vladimir Putin all the time.
0: He should be riding a bear.
1: Welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Williams. Welcome to episode 55 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast. And in this episode, I haven't got a Lindsay. Oh no! Lindsay Williams is busy preparing for her jaunt going around the whole world. So I had to sort of bring in a guest host and I really wanted somebody who was experienced and... Um I found luckily, luckily, one of my great friends and podcast podcasting colleagues on the circuit. <laughs> if if the five language learning podcasts in the world, um like us, can be a circuit. Um and it's Chris Broholm on the show. Woo! Hey, how's it going? <laughs>
0: thank you for having me. Uh,
1: You're welcome. No, thank you so much for stepping in and taking over as a as a one episode co host.
0: Nice to have you on the show. I'll do my best.
1: How's it going, love?
0: It's going all right. It's going all right. I mean, it's too hot now, isn't it? You know, we've had some rain and some cold, and and the last two days have been 25 degrees plus, and everyone's like, man, it's too much.
1: (laughs) Listeners, in case you're not, in case you don't know Chris, I mean, I've got so many like s- stories about Chris to tell, but one of the most exciting things about um, Chris Broholm, uh, he's the host of the actual fluency podcast. Which, God, how many episodes have you made so far, Chris?
0: 113, I think we are up to. So.
1: Incredible. Bye. And in every episode, you interview somebody who is a polyglot. And I love that you have got such a, a range of perspectives.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the whole idea behind the show is that there are so many people learning languages and there are so many uh, experiences and perspectives that lead people down that path. And for me, it's just an endless curiosity of of hearing essentially people's own stories.
1: Hmm. I completely, I completely agree with that. And it's, it's nice to have, it's nice to hear the interviews as well. So I I love listening to you talk to people. It's a really fun show. So guys, if you're not listening to the Actual Fluency podcast after this episode, you know, if you're, if you're a bit bored and you're waiting for the new creative, then please go over to actualfluency.com, check out Chris's show. But most exciting thing about Chris Broholm this week is that you now live where I live.
0: Yay! Yes, that's true. <laughs> I just moved to Manchester in the north of England.
1: <laughs> northwest, northwest.
0: Yeah, yeah. Whatever. It's up there, and um, mm. yeah, it's quite exciting to have moved countries. I'm I'm happy to be here so far. People seem very nice, and um, there's lots of languages going around. For instance, at my job, I've already spoken Spanish, Russian, uh, Danish, Swedish, and English. So I'm German a little bit also. So <laughs> there's a lot going on.
1: That's incredible. And we, I recently met you in person at the Polyglot Gathering in Bratislava and can't even tell you, like, your German is, is good. Oh, come you, on. you put it down a lot, but it's pretty good.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I recently did a German uh, interview for a whole hour, which was very painful for me and the listeners, I'm sure. Uh, but, um, yeah, my German is very conversationally fluent, I would say, but there's still a lot of ways to go before I will get you know uh, mixed up with a native speaker.
1: <laughs> and which languages would you say you're actively learning because I know that we've uh, you, you've been on this show before and at the time you said you want to learn 10 languages in 10 years and that's yes. probably two years ago so how's it going?
0: Yeah well I mean 10 years uh 10 years I guess we're about four years into that 10 year goal so I have not learned any new languages apart from German to a level where I'm confident to say that I've actually learned it and for me the the level is simply can I have a conversation about some, most things in the language itself without switching to English you know I can throw in an English word here and there if I don't know it uh, but that's kind of my threshold I think for most people that's probably a, a good b1 if you if you use that kind of scale maybe even a, a bad b2 um, and I haven't quite gotten there with Russian yet, which was the first language I started learning uh, independently. Uh, but I'm getting closer and closer. I think I'm like um, doing a lot of work with Russian right now to improve my listening and my speaking. And I found some Russian speakers at my work, so I'll hope to to move that into the secured category. But otherwise, I have a lot of <laughs> quite bad languages that I need to uh, get put a lot of work into to uh, count for those ten. But I'm studying Spanish at the moment also as a new language, which is so much easier than Russian. So if any of you guys are out there studying Russian as your first independent language like I was, I'm, you might want to switch to a European language <laughs> like French and Spanish because it's so much easier if you if you know English already. I mean, half the vocabulary is the same. And yeah, it's just basically the, the further away you go, I think the harder the languages generally become. And, and when you're learning your first language, that can actually be, Quite detrimental to the overall progress. I mean, if I didn't have the podcast or the blog, I would have probably given up in Russian because honestly, I got enough I got nowhere in, in one year, so that was a tough, uh, tough project. But tough projects also pay off in the end. You know, if if you actually make it to speaking Russian, like just an example from from Friday, I had a few beers with some of my work colleagues, and there were two native Russian speakers. And honestly just saying one sentence well was enough to be for them to be impressed. But then we had a conversation and I, I'm not kidding, their eyes were like, you know, teacups, they're huge eyes, and they're like, Whoa, you speak Russian so well. And of course they're being nice. <laughs> I know that, but that feeling is is hard to beat. And you won't get that if you speak French or Spanish. They'll be like, Oh, it's just French or Spanish, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's really interesting. And you just said something that I thought leads us on really, really nicely to the to the current topic, um. Because I have, I, I usually we have a topic for this show. So as our as our co host, I'm I'm allowing you or like inviting you to come and weigh in. And what you just said was, if I didn't have the podcast or the blog, mm-hmm. I would have already given up in Russian, which I think is extremely interesting because we're talking about tracking, documenting, recording, you know, whichever word you want to use. So instead of the the way, okay, here's how I think about this is kind of documenting your language learning to me is not really the idea of I am writing down every single second that I spend on it because I'm, my language learning tends to be very fragmented. I might do, um, I might do half a, say something in Welsh here. I might sort of look at BBC Cymru news articles later in the day but you know always for about two minutes and then i'm off doing something else i don't really concentrate i'm more spontaneous with my learning so if i had to write down every single stop and start in in welsh that i that occurs during the day or during the week i'd be making myself crazy but what i found really important and really helpful over time is this idea of you know the goal setting and the and the the kind of tracking simply Have I done a lot? Have I actually sat down and focused today? Or has it been a day of sort of bits and bobs? Or has it been a day when nothing has happened? Um, And that is the level to which I kind of document for myself personally. And that is kind of aspect one of language tracking is kind of just your personal time or am I getting anywhere or am I doing something? And then aspect two that you've sort of touched on is the idea of recording your goals um, and writing down here's what i want to do just so it comes out of your own head and do you think that is important
0: yeah for sure i mean the 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 thing about the blog and the podcast is of course it's accountability because there are people uh, even back in the beginning there were at least 10 people listening to the podcast in the first month so if i just suddenly gave up that would be sort of a personal failure it would be embarrassing to have to tell people you know what guys this language learning thing isn't for me anyway And I would kind of prove the point that it's you know you know that old myth where people say I just can't learn languages or I don't have the language learning talent or whatever. So I didn't want to I didn't want to prove that myth um, to uh, to the listeners to the readers that I had, which wasn't many, but just the fact that there were some, Mm -hmm. and I really you know these people are some of. the people have had the most emails from or emails back and forth from. their fantastic people. And they're the reason that I've made it to
1: 114. Yeah. Um, okay, I've got a question for you on that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, that's really interesting because you're saying, oh, it would be really embarrassing to tell people I gave up. And I tell you now, if I come on this podcast in episode 56 and I say to people, do you know what? Um, Welsh... I I'm just, I'm done with Welsh. I don't want to learn Welsh anymore. I'm, I'm I don't want to do this anymore. And Luxembourgish, I know I flirted with, but yeah, so just I'm I'm language celibate now. Um <laughs> I'm not learning. <laughs> you know, for me personally, um I would not feel that I'm losing face. I would not in, in my blog either. I mean, it would be and I guess I would not feel like a failure. I feel so accountable to myself. Mm. But not so much to external people, so I love that you're saying I would find it really embarrassing. Can you kind of go into detail on that what is it what What is it that makes you feel you know saying something publicly um, commits you to it more
0: Well, I don't know maybe it's um maybe it's just my personal history. I don't know if any of the listeners have the same, but I've certainly let myself down a lot of times in my in my life, and every time you let yourself down. It becomes a little bit easier to do so now i'm at the point where you know if i let myself down it doesn't really mean anything anymore i could uh let myself down this afternoon and i would i would not worry about it i would sleep fine and get up in the morning you know but letting down other people who might have been counting on you or who might have been expecting you to do better or even you know time is so sacred and and when people uh take time out of the day to send me an email saying great job on, on that article. I really enjoyed this podcast episode with this and this guy. And, and, you know, it gives me motivation to continue learning. Then I'm suddenly not doing it for me anymore. Then it's a whole nother level. You know, I'm I'm sort of a, a how can I call it? Like a messenger in a way I, I'm, I'm delivering a, a message instead of just a content, instead of just a, a podcast episode. Mm-hmm. And for language mm-hmm. learning, you can sort of draw the parallel where once you make the language learning meaningful to anyone else, but yourself, then that also goes up dramatically. So for instance, if you just tell yourself, I'm going to learn Welsh and you don't tell anyone about it, it's much easier to give up. But if you actually tell your Welsh friend or Mm -hmm. Gareth or anything, (laughs) I don't know uh, if you just told Gareth, Gareth, I've given up on Welsh. I mean, if that doesn't hurt you to say, then, uh, then it, It just proves the point that there are really a lot of different uh, mindsets in this because some people are not uh, influenced a lot by external factors. They they don't get the same accountability. But for me, it's definitely like, yeah, I don't care about myself anymore. It's just I don't want to let other people down. You know what I mean?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. This reminds me a lot of... um... I mean Lindsay and I mentioned this several times right the the Gretchen Rubin four tendencies framework, uh, framework um and I think I think I remember I remember Lindsay coming onto your show and talking about it and just in case guys you you don't know what I'm referring to we have got a past episode about this so I'm going to put it in the show notes um the four tendencies framework talks about how people keep up habits and that there is Gretchen Rubin not um, as not an academic researcher, but a, a really great observer of human nature in my mind. And she observed that there are people called obligers who will not keep promises to themselves as much. So Chris is saying, letting myself down is okay. Yeah. I just don't want to let others down. But there are people called upholders who can keep a promise to other people and a promise to themselves. Uh, people called rebels who seemingly can't keep promises <laughs> To themselves or externally. So, you know, might have a hard time getting motivated at times because they feel like they don't like the idea of feeling under pressure. Um, and then there are other people called questioners who will only do something if it makes sense to them. Mm. Um, I, I fall totally into that category. So I have questioned myself on whether I want to learn Welsh and whether I'm down with Welsh. And, you know, I've, I've gone through this whole thing because I gave up Russian in order to learn Welsh. So then right. I had to, I did a lot of like, I was basically doing pro and cons list for like five five weeks and agonizing. And then, but when, once the decision is made and I find this with myself, it's like, I I don't care what Gareth says. I don't care what a, a teacher says. I, I don't care what anybody else says. If I want to learn Welsh, I am learning Welsh until I don't want to. And then it's, it's hard to, like, it doesn't hurt me to say to somebody else, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. But it's
0: interesting that. We because
1: a- I will have a reason.
0: Of course, but uh, that's really interesting that the, there are people who, who feel that yeah. way because for me, it's it's definitely much, much harder to let down other people or if you said you do something and then you don't do it, that definitely <laughs> hurts a lot to me. Uh, whereas I can tell myself, you know, whatever, you know, and nothing happens.
1: Mm, it, it hurts me too, but it, not because I feel like I'm losing face, but because I feel like, I made my, I don't know, I feel like I committed to something and then I'm not keeping it up to myself. You know, so to me, feeling like I'm letting myself down feels, feels like I'm letting myself down.
0: (laughs) Well, I (laughs) understand that. It doesn't feel good. (laughs) So you're always going to be involved yourself, right? Yeah. Even if I let other people down, it's a function of my own beliefs first and foremost, because I, I wouldn't say. I'm learning uh, Greek because this guy told me to, you know, it's always your own, (laughs) it's always your own decision first. So even if you're letting other people down, you're also letting yourself down at the same time, but it's just like, which do you feel the most, I guess?
1: Mm, That's, that's really fascinating. So it really, and and it gives you, it gives us this idea of documenting because something that, or that, that, you know, a different kind of insight, because what you're talking about is a real, external accountability just by the nature of saying you're saying publicly that you're doing this or saying publicly here is what I commit to do if you do it privately it won't work as well whereas for me the act of documenting it is already strong enough but I still need to document it and I think there is this extra point where I believe that most humans, most people, um, who especially in language learning um are better with goals when they bring the goal out of their head and they document their progress somehow. It doesn't have to be public as in you don't have to have a blog or a podcast, but even having your own personal notebook and checking back on yourself, I find this so helpful, mm. especially in language learning, because language learning is full of pitfalls and false beliefs right it's so difficult to know what you're going to be capable of in the next three weeks it's so easy to overestimate yourself and then to feel like well you haven't done anything so you might as well just not even bother when when actually looking back on past chris or looking back on past kirsten i i often find that kirsten from three weeks ago kind of you know like like i feel accountable to her a little bit um but only if she was if she was making smart decisions at the time, hmm. you know. So I need to know what Kirsten from three weeks, three weeks ago thought.
0: Right, but I think this is like this the, one of the most important things because learning languages is such a an arbitrary thing to do anyway. You know, if you're just learning facts, or the let's say you're learning the capital cities of the world, you know exactly how many you've learned and how many you have left to learn but language learning is such a complicated jigsaw puzzle with infinite amounts of pieces that fit together sort of one way or the other. It's a pattern in a pattern in a pattern. And I just think that that doesn't often, um, that, that doesn't translate to -to day-to-day improvements. And if we don't feel day-to-day improvements, it's very easy to get demotivated. So that's why tracking is, is, is super good. And I I, I have to put in a little disclaimer, there tracking things that you can control. I think is is key because if you start tracking something like words learned or I don't know minutes able to speak or something random like that then there are too many sort of factors that go into that so I would recommend people if they're starting out with tracking or they want to track some parts of their language learning I would really recommend tracking things that they can control like hours or minutes even or textbook pages um could be points in Duolingo, points in Memorize, whatever app you use, uh, like right now I'm using the Linguist app, which uh, has uh, like daily words or whatever you go through or learning points, I think they call it, I'm trying to do 100 a day, which takes quite a long time actually, but because I try to do 100 a day, it's I, I do more than if I didn't do, <laughs> if I didn't have that overarching goal, you know, mm-hmm. if I didn't track the, the number of learning points, if I just said, oh, I'll just sit down and, and work on the app until I can't be asked anymore. And for most mm-hmm. people, that will mean a lot less learning. But because you have that number in the left corner that says slash 100, you know, so you're at 27 out of 100, I usually push myself more than if I didn't have that. So that's a, a good example. But track the things that you can control for sure. And then the sort the output, I, I find it funny that people try to make it um, they tried to make language learning into some kind of collection of facts that takes a certain amount of time. Like I just got an email from a guy who was learning uh, English, he's a French speaker, and he was worried about his uh, getting to a C1, C2 level, I think he wanted to. And, you know, he asked me questions like, how long does it take to go from A2 to c B one and I'm like you know,
1: <laughs> How long but... is a pizza string? <laughs>
0: exactly. And and, and yeah. unfortunately unfortunately he's not alone. You know, a lot of people think yeah. that there is some kind of, of, of pattern or some kind of that each language is completely the same structure wise, so you can really deconstruct the process. But when it comes to it, even very academic studies like uh, I think the was the US foreign something something they said you needed a certain number of hours to learn each language. And I think uh, Russian was...
1: Foreign Services Institute who issue uh, or who have a scale of, you know, where where they see different skill levels.
0: Right. So the Russian one was, I think, over 1,500 hours. But when you think about what it...
1: Is, I mean, what is a study some... hour?
0: Right. That's the other point. But the, the main point I have is just like that was the estimate. That means that there are great people, great students who are really dedicated and and perhaps talented, if you want to use that word, uh, who can do it in half that? And if you imagine like a bell curve, you know most learners will probably be around the middle of the bell curve, but you as an individual can be anywhere along it. And I think I would be one that took takes a little or a lot longer to to learn Russian than than other people. But the the key point in which we is all about this, this is what this episode is all about is. How can you know if you've even done 1,500 hours if you don't track anything? Like, how can you even have an idea? I have no idea how much, how many hours I've done in Russian because I never tracked the hours, but I can go into Memorize, I can go into the apps that I've used and I can see the points that I've accumulated. Um, And I think it would have been helpful or beneficial for me to actually track the hours. Um, okay. But I can't be bothered to do it. So, you know, that's a trade off there.
1: <laughs> it's a funny one because to me, um, and again, again, I see I see my question of pattern perhaps coming out um, is that to me, memorize points or like word lists and things like that, I find them so arbitrary. I completely agree that we cannot see our progress. You, see, you know, like you, you, I think when you are learning languages, one of the hardest thing as an adult language learner, one of the hardest things that, that we are challenged to do is to almost release control or release that desire for you know for kind of a a a result and and um what shall i call it release that desire to be in charge Mm. and instead almost like you you know you can almost kind of think of it as if i'm if you want to get metaphysical it's like you said language is, is esoteric as in you need to trust the process yeah you learning a language in a way to me is learning to trust yourself. And you need to trust yourself more than you trust memorize, and more than you trust Duolingo and whatever whatever else you're doing. Those are all extremely, and I do a lot of Memrise, right? They, those are all extremely useful helpers on the way. But ultimately, it's you who knows, can I do this or can I not do this? And am I feeling good? And at the end of the day, as long as language learning results in you being more capable in a way that gives you more pleasure when you actually perform that act of speaking the language, I think that means you're doing well. And I don't care if that means you're at A2 or B2 or C2 or wherever you are, because you're going to want to challenge yourself naturally. But you don't have to, because this is the beauty of adult learning. You don't have to perform to anybody else. Hmm. And in that way, I really agree with you that like productivity and the idea of, um, the idea of kind of becoming this, what shall I call it? The idea of becoming this sort of machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like, the, the, you know, even the idea of kind of saying, okay, I do half an hour every single day. To me, that is, it's just not what it's about. Cause I just want to, you know, I'm just here to have fun. Mm. Um, and, and if I, you know, you, we've all experienced that. And you described it in one of your blog articles that I thought was so, made me really excited because that's sort of the language habit uh, work that I've been doing, you know, the whole idea of essentially, if you just build a habit, if you just kind of stick with it and do it regularly, regularly, don't care how much you really do, it'll just, you know, it'll become part of you. Yeah. Um, What you were describing made me so, so as so many times. So guys, in case you don't know, but Chris, Chris is a, a lovely, like, a really lovely writer on on your blog, I think you are, um, and you make you you do have a, what's your course called? Remind me.
0: Uh language routine mastery.
1: Yes, and and that is that is lovely. I I enjoyed that course as well, um and but, you know, Chris talks a lot of sense, uh which makes Kirsten happy, but, <laughs> what you described was I think it was your it was one of your clear the list posts, which is something I want to get to in a minute. Um, and you described that, you know, you'd been setting yourself these big goals in, I think it was Spanish and just didn't really. So you instead went, okay, I'm just going to be really casual and just going to say, I'm just going to spend like two minutes every day, yeah. two minutes, whatever, you know. And then you described, which is something that happens to me as well. You described that feeling of, okay, you open your app or you open your book and you you start your two minutes and pooh, before you know it, you've done half an hour. But if you had planned to do half an hour... You wouldn't have even started because that sounds like a lot of work
0: yeah it's a it's a huge mindset difference and you know it has to be said that this is also it's such a huge topic right and it, there's so many different uh ways to have there are also people who have zero motivational problems and i envy them a lot if you're out there you know you should enjoy that i mean there's a i read a study that about 10 percent of people are just inherently motivated they don't need external or internal extra motivation to keep going for me i need to really
1: lindsey like, williams <laughs> if you're hearing but, us
0: <laughs> co-host uh yeah but but i think that it what you're saying is also really important but there's always a balance because there's no way that you can learn a language in let's say a, a shortish time frame let's say six months to fluency in spanish like a really high level call it somewhere in the middle b1 b2 whatever there's no way you can do it unless you really take it seriously and you develop an a plan of action that will get you there so what we're talking about is more about fitting your studying to your goals to your life because if you're a professional language learner if you need to be a diplomat or a language officer in the army or whatever you you probably need to work on it more like a job but if you have another job and you just want to learn some spanish to speak with your friends or your colleagues or whatever then that changes the nature of the productivity also uh, and there are some people who struggle with motivation or they beat themselves up and they end up not doing anything and these are the people who'd really benefit with that advice that you just gave of doing a few minutes because i was flustered with uh, overly ambitious uh, process goals, as I call them, which is the day to day. I think I said something like, I want to listen to a podcast episode. I want to do one chapter in the book. I want to do one lesson in this. I want to do one lesson in that. And by the end of it, you know, you're just like, you're never getting started because your to do list is just too massive. But there are some people who will see a to do list like that and they'll be like, okay, I'll do one, check. I'll do second, check. Um, so <laughs> if anything, I would just say, like you mentioned it's really about how you feel about it if you mm. feel that you're doing really well in your language learning there's no need to try and change that don't don't try and fix what isn't broken mm. like I, I get emails from people like uh, this is a very recent one i got somebody said chris i'm doing really well on on most days i get like i think she mentioned like 2 hours of study and you know an hour in, in the books and and with the apps and then like a, a tutoring session uh she said you see, every Every other day, or you know, a couple of days a week, was like that. And she asked me, like, how can I, how can I do that every day? And I was like, why would you? You know, you're doing <laughs> something which is obviously working. Why yeah. would you? Why would you try to fix what isn't broken? Essentially, like nobody yeah. said that you should do something every day if it doesn't work for you. I think language learning is a lot about consistency, and I think you get a lot out of working every day. But she clearly found out something that worked because she did like two hours every other day. And that's mm-hmm. totally fine. And I think a lot of the advice that's floating around sometimes could be misconstrued as, as prescription. Like when I say, try this five-minute trick where you, you're going to sit down for five minutes or you know you can use a, an analogy like going to the gym. I was just listening to the James Altucher podcast, which is a, a really cool podcast for self-development, business and leadership. And okay. he interviewed like a top Marine. And the Marine was like, Yeah, if you just like what's the hardest part of doing anything? It's getting started. You know, he said, if you just go to the gym, what are you gonna do? Lie on the floor, <laughs> you know? Um, so just just open the page, open the textbook, open the app, do anything, and you will actually find that you'll do much more. And this advice works for some people, especially people who might have a bit of a slump, which mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you f- get that, but sometimes I just get bored or disinterested with the language. So I take like an extended break, but if I tell myself, okay, five minutes, come on, I can do five minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I sort of stay in I stay in the game, even though my mindset might be a little bit towards just taking a long break, which I think is a, a generally a bad idea to take extended breaks, but sometimes it's it's necessary, of course
1: yeah that's um that's really interesting There's there's something I mean there is a lot in that and <laughs> one and very you know it's a lot of sense and I agree with you the the one thing I thought was really interesting is that you're you're um and you you capture something that people really do feel and you know like some of us feel I don't usually get this too much the idea of Feeling like I'm doing really well or I'm not doing really well. Like language learning, for some reason, in every area of my life, from business to sports, I evaluate myself also like this. Um, but in languages, for some reason, I usually kind of... I um, Maybe in French, actually. Oh, for some... Okay, this is weird. In French, I judge myself. <laughs> In Welsh, I don't. In Welsh, I'm just like, I'm doing great. I'm do I have all the way through so far in Welsh, no matter what I've no matter what I've done, I've just felt like I'm doing awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like because I'm having so much fun. Um, whereas French is kind of maybe it's because I learned it at school for so many years, but even in school I wasn't always great. I just kind of I don't know. Like there is the difference. The difference here is that I'm doing Welsh for the love of it. Hmm. And I'm doing French because I was good at French, and I don't want to be not good at French. Right. Haha. Uh-huh.
0: I understand that, and I think oh, that the you, you, fundamental <laughs> the fundamental motivation is is is, is important.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
0: that like the discussion of whether it's required at all, like if it's absolutely imperative, is a bit of a for me an internal discussion right now because I talked to somebody who's super disciplined and has basically taken language learning to uh, a job or more than a job like a really dedicated and organized pursuit which is uh, Alexander Agels uh, mm-hmm. who's a doctor uh, of philosophy I think um and I ta- I asked him at a conference I just had because he always talked about this like you need to have the motivation and I, I I went up and said to him don't you think that it's possible for someone to sort of just get on with it and just be successful without that. And he said, he just said, no, there was no, not even a, not even a hesitation. And you know, I am not sure for me, it's, it's, it's tough.
1: You know, I think there is, that's, a, that's, there's a difference between, I think that's why in, in the toolkit, I was so heavy in you as well. Like you mentioned, like the, what do you call them? I call them the vision goals, you know, the big overall goal that keeps us going. Uh,
0: outcome goals. Yeah, that
1: needs to be strong, I think. However, something that I feel we're, we're sort of talking around is the idea of doing something because you feel like you should. Mm. And that's never that never feels as good as doing it because you want to. But I don't think we can deny the fact that it's a genuine thing right that pretty much in our society we all feel like there are things that we should do Hmm. it's impossible and i don't know even whether that's like a good thing or not because often if we feel like we should and then we achieve something then we feel like oh yeah we achieved something and we can look at ourselves again but i think it's very fair to say it doesn't feel as good as doing something because you want to right
0: yeah well, i don't i don't i don't know but the reason that I'm, I am having this internal dialogue is because, or internal dialogue, well, I guess I'm a split personality, but...
1: <laughs> you like debating this, with yourself. Yeah,
0: on this on this mm-hmm. topic, I, I'm split down the middle because I think I have a fundamental belief that anyone can do pretty much anything. Like, I'm not going to become an astronaut, of course, and I can't, you know, play basketball professionally. So there are, of, of course, yeah, the old saying that you can do whatever you want is... is crap basically you you know you can't do any everything you know i'll i'll, I'll never be a professional uh, ballet dancer or whatever uh, but is it possible for me to train in ballet enough to be impressive to most people yes i think so i think you can do so much and we all have the capacity um the the question comes is it possible to do well and in language learning, i guess that means actually learn the damn language <laughs> Is it possible to learn the language without an overarching or a back, backup of re- a reason or a motivation, an overarching reason? And I just I just don't know. I, I, I'm trying. <laughs> I can certainly say that I'm trying. But sometimes I also find that you can find the reason later. Like mm-hmm. if, if I yeah. wake up one day and I say, oh, it would be really nice to speak Russian that does that's not much much of a motivation by the way that's like that's like just an impulse uh but once you've let's say you've done it a couple of hours and you found a really great tv show that you have with subtitles you really enjoy or maybe you you met a russian speaker on some internet forum or on Skype or something you can build the reasons later um they might not be as strong as if let's say your grandmother was russian and you really wanted to talk to her that's a really strong reason but you know, I I think it's still possible, but it's obviously very helpful to have those uh, have those deep deep rooted uh, motivation.
1: I think it's possible. I agree, but I wonder if it's. Hmm. I there is. I wonder how much internal resistance we build up in that way by doing something like that, and I I don't know the answer to this and. Um, I want to I want to I wanna kind of move on to clear the list in a second, um, but so so we'll have to park this d- debate because <laughs> we're not going to get the answer. No, but I'm just I, I think just think it's so interesting. Y- you are right because I think often I think what we think of as motivation for learning a language is is almost is only on the surface. The idea of I want to talk to my grandmother or I want to travel or you know I want to get an A. And I think what is below what lies underneath that is identities of personal achievement yeah and and a deeper understanding of who we are and who we are and what language learning makes us, and I think that yeah, has to be there
0: that's brilliant, yeah that's I was just thinking the same and and like the the fun thing could be if you ask me like. Chris, why are you learning Russian? Uh, to people who are outside the community and don't really uh, get to read or listen to anything about language learning, I would probably just say, um, because it's a cool language and there are lots of people who speak it and I, I kind of like the the culture or whatever. But actually, if you dig under the surface, the real reasons for me continuing to learn Russian is uh, because, like, like I started this episode saying, people, want to see me do well you know and it's a personal intellectual pursuit for me I want to be I want to be mm-hmm. multilingual because it's really cool to be multilingual you know yes, Um. Yes. and so for me like you know I've been watching there was just um a couple of interviews with Vladimir Putin just came out on uh, Showtime HBO for the American listeners will definitely know what that is but for Europeans you have to find other ways to uh, to watch them, but if you really, really want to watch, if you want to watch Vladimir, them, you know, <laughs> four uh, four hours of interviews with Vladimir Putin. I watch them mostly because he's incredibly well spoken. And is I he really topless
1: don't. in the interviews?
0: He is not
1: like, like riding a horse. That's that's my image of Vladimir Putin. He should be riding
0: time. a bear, but no, he's really cool <laughs> in the interviews also. But he's not topless. But okay. I mostly watch them for the for the Russian language because he's incredibly eloquent. You know, he's a very well-spoken he's very he doesn't uh, he's very concise also so if you want to learn like proper proper russian uh, Mm -hmm. and also some political russian which is good vocabulary to have if you want to have greater discussion instead of just talking about the weather those are some good sources but anyway the point was um the point was that there's an interpreter in the show because of course the american journalist doing the show can't speak russian and putin speaks a little bit of english but he prefers to communicate in russian And I'm just seeing, like, that interpreter. I'm like, that guy is a cool guy, you know, (laughs) because he's just back and forth. And I have a few interpreter friends, and they're the most impressive people I know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm just like, wow, one day I can can maybe, you know, uh, interpret a a small banter conversation between some of my friends. Uh, Or maybe if I'm stuck at the airport and there's an old Russian woman who needs help. I can, I can help her. So that's the kind of intellectual pursuit that I'm after, which is a very sort of, it's a little wish-washy, I'll I'll say, but I think it's, it's powerful anyway.
1: No, no. See, this is, I'm so excited because this to me, (laughs) this to me is your, this is why I love the idea of the vision goal, right? Because this to me is your, your vision, you know, like it's your personal one. Yeah, and that's why I think vision or outcome goals are so so powerful because they are not that they, they if somebody else if they are what somebody else has prescribed for you like I want to have a fluent market conversation with a market trader like no because a lot of us don't want that don't care right yeah. but if it really comes from inside of you and it becomes about who I want to be then it's amazing okay. Yeah. Oh,
0: brilliant! But that can be that can be just a, a slight uh, disclaimer. That can be slightly uh, that could be more vanity than anything else, which is a little bit of a dangerous uh, zone because you know, you're right. You just... Who
1: cares?
0: <laughs> no, well, exactly. I mean, that's why I'm telling you because I I'm, I'm saying that for me, I don't care what people think of my goals because they're mine. You know, they can mm-hmm. make up their own, but and they're free to judge mine whatever they want. But the line between the vanity of I. I I can speak Russian and having the intellectual ability to speak Russian, I think is very different. And I think that it's very important <laughs> that you don't, uh, that you don't just say, Oh, it would be nice to speak Russian because then it becomes sort of a, a vanity thing. You know what I mean?
1: It has to be detailed. I think it has to be detailed. It has to be vivid. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's funny because my goal, um, my vision goal for, for Welsh is... <laughs> It it embarrasses me to to say to people, you know, <laughs> I have shared it because I think it's useful, you know, as a as a illustration of the, how I understand the vision goal. But to me, it also feels like, oh my god, Kirsten, come on, you, you know, that's not you. But it, I actually find it motivating, and for, for me, as somebody who struggles as well with sort of you know lower self confidence, um, I have found it kind of interesting what it does to me in my mind to really hold to this goal and to bring it back to my mind on a regular basis um by by mentioning it to people um which is i want to win welsh learner of the year
0: yeah they because
1: that's like a thing that they that they give to people and you get like a little i don't know i don't even know i hope i get a medal
0: yeah <laughs> i mean just, that's great it's
1: so i feel so presumptuous saying that on the one hand but then on the other hand i really do i think I, it just because i am thinking that would be so cool Okay. Well, now okay, we have- okay.
0: One, one last. Okay. <laughs> I know we keep putting it off, but uh, <laughs> I just wanted to uh, to end on a practical note and say that you know the the vision goals that I just said actually surprised me a little bit because they were very internal. They were very like as I was vocalizing them, I was sort of digging them out, and I just realized that if you are sitting there and you're learning, I don't know, Cantonese or Spanish or whatever try to visualize or vocalize the, the, those dreams, or, no matter how silly they are, try to put them on paper or you know, write in hand if you prefer, or, or speak it into your dictaphone or iPhone or whatever, just so you have to actually say them, because then they become much, much more tangible and they become much more real. And I just realized I had a lot of great reasons to learn Russian that I didn't, that they weren't as uh, close to the surface as I thought. Um, so, so. Amazing. <laughs> so
1: this is a coaching and therapy yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on the, on the podcast. Okay. This brings me to, and, um, just want to, uh, just plug the language habit toolkit, which has got a vision goals worksheet. So if you're absolutely lost, take a look at that. It, it kind of, it's basically, a, you fill it in, but I've put together kind of a few conversation starters with yourself. Um, to hopefully dig and kind of get you to what motivates you underneath because I think it's important okay now we I wanted to touch on the idea of let you know we've talked about recording documenting accountability and we've I think we've established it doesn't really matter what or, or like not it doesn't matter but we can't tell you the listener what exactly to record you know, like so. For if if you want to record time and hours, and you're a person who loves going by schedule, that's what you do. If you want to just kind of keep track of memorize, do that. That works fine. If you want to write down your goals, um, I I agree with you, Chris. I think as you write and vocalize and um, put put it, you know, put words together to to illustrate those goals. I think. It helps you reflect on what's hard, what strategies are working for you, and perhaps whether you are perceiving a lack of progress or whether you are making progress. Now, I, the natural place to to put documentation, what do you think? I'm, I've sort of written down a few ideas, and I'll just throw them all at you mm-hmm. um, in the interest of time, but, you know, you pick your favorite maybe. Um, there is the idea of a blog. So really just keeping your, keeping a public diary. Um, There is the idea of a study buddy, just, or perhaps your language exchange partner, you know, somebody who starts to count on you. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the group class, which is you just rock up, but, well, I'm not going to evaluate them now, but there is the group class, which is certainly a regular appointment. Um, There's online groups. We know about the AdWan Challenge, and there are a few other groups running, right? There's the italki challenges. Um, and I'm sort of planning to run an accountability group later in the year. And you check in with people who are taking routine mastery as well. So I think yeah, it's exactly. a good service. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's then, part of it. We have a little Facebook group where I think that's, it gives it meaning every week to have, like I do it on Mondays. I check in with people and I ask, what did you do last week and what are you going to do this week? And just that little push, that little nudge, is a great way for people who might be getting close to a bit of a motivational crisis. It could be small or big. Like some people are like, "Oh, I'm not going to study another language in my life again." You know, that's a big motivational crisis. But there are people who have like, you know, the Monday blues, or they they just lose their mojo for some reason in the language. And I think a little nudge and to see other people, and I'm I'm really thankful to have at least four or five in the group. Come up with very detailed uh, stories of what they did last week and what they're going to do this week, which will then push other members of the group who see this to actually go and do something. And you know, yeah. maybe even comment. Uh, commenting takes a lot of work, uh, mm-hmm. if, especially if you're in a bit of a uh, if you're in a bit of a blue rut and you didn't do much last week. Then it's tough to sometimes add your voice. But just seeing what other people are struggling with or working on, uh, I think really helps. So so accountability. Is really the secret I think to success in language learning because you have to be accountable to something or someone, and like you're yeah. very accountable to yourself, so that's very helpful. You don't have to uh, go far to find that. But some people like myself, uh, I'm terrible at keeping myself accountable, so I need to go other places for that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I've I I have a there's a Facebook group called Fluent Language Learners that I run. Um and we do ch- we do check in Saturdays when I'm around to do them but I have I've picked them up again guys no panic over um Kirsten's back but <laughs> I've been a bit unreliable which is not the a, point of it I have
0: a secret which I'm sure everyone in the group knows but the the posts are automated so yeah it's not it's not me personally writing them but I will personally. Always uh, reply to myself in a way uh, with what I did that week, but that ensures that even if I'm feeling down because believe it or not you know content creators and even people who actually write on motivation or uh, think they're good enough to actually speak a whole hour about motivation, they also have motivational problems and 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 mojos and blue Mondays and whatever actually blue oh Mondays is a, is a thing in Denmark after your religious uh, confirmation, but that's a different story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm already getting the feeling from you that out of blog, study buddy, group class and online groups, you're with the online groups, definitely. Uh, there's community also the idea is
0: important, yeah.
1: Community is important, but I, I think,
0: you could, I think a blog, I think everyone should have a blog, really. And yeah. not just in the language learning world, but just in general. Uh, first of all, because I really love reading people's stories. And people are, just write so amazingly well. Like some of the people in Clear the List, for instance, I'm really amazed at how well they write. You know, it's not about how much they write or how, how much they did or how, how the results were. It's just the way they form a narrative, which is sort of a very technical way of saying that they write good stories, but they're not mm-hmm. made up. You know, they they have a a progression that I really enjoy reading. And for me, it it, it motivates me a lot to read Uh, For instance, Lindsay, I'm always impressed with and and Shannon as well. Holy, you know, I've written to Shannon so many times saying like, how, how do you get all this stuff done? And like, you know, she has a, she has a baby and she has a a husband and, and, and she has a job and she's selling blues records and (laughs) online courses and does a blog post every day. And I don't know how she does it, how she's doing it, but You know there are people like that who are just amazingly inspiring inspirational for me to follow and if you are sitting out there thinking oh but i don't have the writing talent or i don't have any achievements or it doesn't matter just get writing and share the link in the list or on twitter whatever i'd love to read other stories i I love stories
1: so tell me tell me okay um Okay, I just want to touch on the final one. So just talk, I've, I've ticked off my list in my head because I can't not finish a list, seemingly. Um, and that is to, what something you can also do in order to document and track your learning is to kind of outsource the responsibility ever so slightly um, and making yourself more accountable by putting throwing some money into the ring you can,
0: um, yeah. and
1: hi, hiring a tutor or a coach, which works really great. But, so we've got the blog, the study buddy, the group class, Online communities, which are amazing, Reddit and Facebook, um, I think, are leading here. Uh, Tutors and coaches, and we—you previously mentioned the leaderboard on Memrise app, which yeah, if you use that kind of stuff, yeah. But that's that's you know, (laughs) guys, seriously, get yourself a blog; it's way better. Okay, um, (laughs) so tell me to finish off. Tell me more about clear the list because we've mentioned it a few times, and maybe not everybody is entirely down with what is clear the list.
0: All right. Well, Clitalist is a, a sort of a blogging link up is what they used to call it. I don't know if that's a term that's still being used, but it's basically a group of language learning bloggers who link to each other as a monthly habit. And so every the beginning of the month, my last entry was a little bit delayed because of my move, but generally around the first in every month there you publish an update of what you did last month and what you're going to do this month. So it's similar to the one I do on Facebook, except it's months instead of weeks. Um, but the point is that, again, it's accountability because you're part of what is essentially an accountability group. Um, but it's also a way for, let's say bloggers to get some traffic or some uh, people reading their stuff. So if you're just mm-hmm. starting out blogging, Clear the List is fantastic because you will get your picture in in the bottom of every other post so if there's 20 people i don't know how many we're up to now probably about 20 20 blog 20 bloggers are in the last list up, uh, a link up and if That's you incredible. yeah it's 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 growing like the first month we were like five or seven and now we're up to uh and bear in mind we're like four or five hosts mm-hmm. and i can tell you the most motivational way of participating in Clearless is to become a host <laughs> um, or you can host your own link up or whatever because then you really feel the pressure to uh, contribute but the good point is that if you just started your your blog on wordpress.com or blogspot or whatever the free uh, blog hosts are uh, you will get some, uh, get some attention which will really help your language learning because you know uh, they're reading it and often there will be comments if you go to every clear list post you'll see lots of comments from the other clear listers which is like it doesn't, you know, I'm not sure, I, I'm sure everyone isn't reading every post or every word, but I definitely try and jump around a bit and, and, and read people's updates. And, and I try to leave encouraging comments just to just so that they see that there are actually people reading what they're writing. And it's great to see, you know, some new blogger who has like 20 comments on their first post, you know, that that must be a great feeling. I remember blogging for probably years before I had a couple of comments on a on blog post so so that's essentially what clear list is it's accountability it's a link up uh, a, um, a group of bloggers who showcase each other who support each other and to basically spread the word
1: that's amazing i, I didn't even know you had that many people in it the hosts are um, if I, I'm i going to recall them and you'll have to just add people if I don't recall properly. You've got Shannon Kennedy from Eurolinguist.com. That's linguist with an E at the end. Then that was there Shannon is,
0: I just mentioned, yeah.
1: Yeah. Then there's uh, Lindsay Williams, co-host to the Creative Language Learning Podcast. Um, and then there's obviously Chris from actualfluency.com, who is my beautiful co-host today. <laughs> um, and I believe... Angel Pretos is as well from FrenchLover.org.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Yes. Um, and are there any other hosts that are.
0: No, that's, that's the host for this time. Four
1: hosts. Fabulous.
0: Yeah, and who and... knows what's going to happen uh, when the concept evolves. Like we've been talking about ways to make it more efficient or including more people or uh, basically ways to enhance the good nature of Clear the List yeah uh, you know, improve it basically and and there we might try to do we've just done a webinar actually together where we talked about uh, accountability in, in more detail and that was pretty interesting very cool and i'm sure people enjoyed that so really stay on top of Clear lists because it's a it's a great uh, initiative that you can get a lot out of and I'm it sounds for- amazing <laughs> yeah and i'm looking where- forward to seeing your 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 blogs and stories and everything
1: me too. Where can people go if they want to get an easy entry to clear the list? Just um I'm going to throw one of your blog posts in the blog in the show notes of sure. episode 55. And if you are reading the show notes, is it a case of just click through to Chris's blog post and then at the bottom there's a link up so you can just click through to the next person?
0: That's exactly it. Yeah, if okay. I'll give you I'll give you the link to my June update where people can read about my A chaotic, well, a little bit chaotic move to Manchester, and at the bottom there's a there's a button that says add your link, and if you add your link there, you are part of the uh, you're part of the link up.
1: Thank you so much, Chris. Okay, well, I think we've I I loved this discussion. I want to really I want to thank you for your time, and thank you as always. I think this is this is what makes you um somebody who who I really value talking to you are so open about you know and and really open to to this discussion which I thought was was really really interesting so we've rather than just sharing tips i think we've had a real kind of deep dive into why accountability matters and what really matters about it and what really doesn't um i've really enjoyed my conversation with you so i want to thank you very very much chris broholm thank you so
0: much can be found
1: at actualfluency.com um, and you'll find the show notes at fluentlanguage.co.uk slash podcast and just click on episode 55.
0: Thank you so much. And I just want to say that I, it's uh, it's a big honor for me to be able to be here and, and, and share the experience that I've made and, and all the people. Actually, I tend to say that the, the the things that I say are usually combinations of what I've learned myself, but also from interviewing so many amazing language learners. And you know, I don't see myself in it as a particularly good language learner, but I do consider myself very fluent to talking about language learning. Um, so I would say do as I, I say or try to do what I say and, and don't look at what I do necessarily. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but do because you'll feel really good about yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like... And
1: the same with me. And the same with me. No, okay. Well.
0: Just I have fun, we... you know, have fun. Yeah, I'm trying to, to sign
1: about... out under the hour, Chris
0: yeah okay sorry sorry but i'm too excited
1: <laughs> that's fine we did you know this is a show with lots of laughs in it usually so i've got to keep it up
0: <laughs> yeah
1: okay well thank you guys for tuning in and I'm, I'm sorry for silencing our beautiful co-host but if you want to hear more from chris it's actual fluency podcast that is the place to go for more of this like really wonderful debate okay bye chris
0: all right later <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to the creative language learning podcast guys don't forget to leave us a rating in itunes and also to subscribe and please get in touch and tell us what you thought of the episode and our topics on twitter we are at ld languages and at fluent language so we're easy to find or you can send me an email to kirstin that's k-e-r-s-t-i-n at fluentlanguage.co.uk